Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> we talk about conspiracies and mysteries and all kinds of crazy but, stuff on the show. But what is it called? Conspiracies and mysteries. Conspiracy. <laughs> what? Conspiracy. What? That's the podcast name. How many A's are in conspiracy? What? Generally, I do I'm three, just going to say eleven, but it's up to five. Okay. Oh. I have to. I have to do that. I was so confused. <laughs> I didn't like think about that. Anyway, welcome to the show. Today we're talking about um, a little, a little alien abduction called the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. It's one of the most famous abductions. It's the first one. Kind the first of, documented sorta, one. Kind of, sort of. They say that. They say it's the first documented one. In America? I don't know. The, I think the it's six. the most well-researched I, after doing my research. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's the first widely reported one. However, there are a lot of other abductions that, in theory, happen all throughout recorded history. So, This is part one. This We didn't say that. This is a part two series. This is part, part one. Series. And if you read the title, I bet it says that. Anyway, this is about Betty and Barney Hill. Wait, I have a question. Yes. What's your name? Cameron. <laughs> Hi, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the hosts of the show. Sitting across from me. Okay, sitting next to me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen. It's Jen. I thought you were going to say something awful, so I didn't say anything. Hi, I'm Allie. Betty and Barney Hill, one of the first widely reported uh, abduction cases. There are some that you'll see that kind of pop up before where people like 30 years later were like, I was abducted, and but that, you know, they didn't go to a newspaper, so it's different. But this is uh, something that happened in September of 1961. It was actually pretty big at the time. I mean, it made pretty heavy news because this was right around the time aliens were going crazy. If you look, you'll find a lot of 60s and 50s B-movies from around the time with really bad aliens and really hilarious plots that make no sense. And Roswell had just happened in 1947. Uh, so this was huge because one of the most important pieces of this is... Everybody had been an alien contactee by this point, not an abductee. So this was the fourth kind. This was the first time someone had encountered the fourth kind. So it was huge because nobody knew that aliens would actually like pick you up off the ground before that. Like all the movies were kind of just like, hi, we're aliens. Mm -hmm. And then like you'd walk in and be like, hello, which is the whole plot of. Or they telepathically uh, contact you like, what's up? Yeah, you know? which is the whole plot of. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, that one. That's like literally the whole plot of that movie. They land and they like wave to people after creating zombies. Anyway, Betty and Barney Hill are basically picked up by the ship, uh, becoming the first Airbnb. And, <laughs> and a bunch of strange events happen uh, afterwards, which are some things we're going to get into, but it includes like torn fabrics and messed up watches, uh, strange pink powdery substance. Uh, and then just like a whole bunch of different sensations and then kind of going down to like dreams. So the dreams get kind of weird and that's where this whole thing kind of blows up and becomes and hypnosis. The yeah. And some hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, it also gets investigated by the National Investigations Committee for Aerial Phenomena. Nightcap. So Betty and Barney Hill were on a road trip. They went up. They lived in New Hampshire, right? And they mm -hmm. went up through... Canada, and they were traveling back home at 2 a.m. for some reason. Or it was middle of the night. They were hoping to get home by 2 a.m. Yes. Uh, so they were trying late to beat at night, the hurricane. Yeah. Oh, yes. that's right. There was a hurricane that was supposed to make landfall. They were in rural New Hampshire. Yes. They were on an impromptu honeymoon. Oh, that's right. I was yeah. like, why were they even? Never mind. They okay. were. They had actually gotten married eighteen months prior, um, but they both had a lot of work to do, and they didn't actually live near each other. And so they happened to have a weekend off at the same time, and they were like, "Fuck it, let's go." <laughs> yeah. So they went up to Montreal. Sweet. Right, which that is kind of a big piece of this because they actually avoided hotels that they could have stayed at, which is why they were actually driving home so late. Mm -hmm. Is because he didn't, uh, Benny didn't want to. Barney, yeah, Benny, Benny, <laughs> Benny, hey, Benny that's a good way to. Barney, Barney Hill didn't want to stop at a hotel. So I was wondering why most of the podcasts and things I listened about this kept bringing up like they 
Barney was black. And I was like, why are we, what is that? That makes sense. Yeah. Betty and Barney were uh, yeah. interracial couple. Yes. And Barney yeah. was black. Betty was white. It was actually against the law in a lot of places in the 60s. And so, yes, that would make sense. They wanted to avoid <clears throat> high traffic hotels and what have you. Right. He he does actually state that he didn't come across anyone who treated them poorly. That's he just good. still was worried about it because he was so used to it. It's because they were in Canada. He said he didn't know how Canada felt about that, so they were being overly cautious. And also, they didn't have time to go to the bank to get any money, so they only had $75 between the two of them. Use a the credit card. Weird. There weren't any. <laughs> so they they were like, do-do-do, driving through rural With New Hampshire on their way home. Oh, yeah, their dog. Dilsey. So upon arriving home, they realized that... So they wanted... Their aim was to get home at 2 a.m. They got home. It was 4 a.m., I thought it was five. And they, it could have been five. <laughs> My research pointed to they lost two hours of time. And they couldn't quite connect their driving time with their time arriving home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they noticed some weird things like some torn fabric. Their watches had stopped working. They had a strange pink powdery substance on their clothes. And they had some odd sensations they could not explain. Yes. And this all happened after they had encountered something weird in the sky that night. Which they don't... So when it first starts, just as kind of a precursor, they're not able to go into a lot of detail on what happens. Because all they really remember is seeing something in the sky mm-hmm. and just kind of a few events after that. And then that's when they drive home and the... like. The time lapse occurs, and they don't know. Well, and they hear a strange buzzing, right? And then their memories sort of fragment from there, and they try to recreate the buzzing. Like Barney thought it was their car. They couldn't recreate the sound. That's odd. So let's go from the beginning here. It starts with them driving through the White Mountains. Essentially, Mm -hmm. remember they didn't want to stop because Barney wasn't really comfortable stopping at a hotel in places he didn't know, which. For the 60s is fair. Mostly Uh, what they were trying to do is they were trying to beat the weather because there was a hurricane coming up and there was, like, it was a nice night. They lived closer to the coast, right? So they were trying to get home to secure their... There was supposed to be storms from the hurricane, which was actually further south, so they were trying to avoid storms that were supposed to happen in the morning. Right, and it actually, for the night uh, that they were driving, it actually turned out to be very, very clear skies, like that calm before the storm. So they didn't actually deal with any inclement weather. It was all very calm, very serene, uh, and that's when they were able to notice a very bright light in the sky. Uh, that's how it starts, but when they first saw it, they didn't think anything of it. Uh, Betty described it as it was like a falling star, but it was falling up. Uh, and then as they started to look at it more, it started to zigzag across the sky. As spaceships do. <laughs> which is your typical like UFO sighting. But again, like this was this was in the 60s, so like we're still relatively new to UFO sightings for the most part. They're not as widespread as they are today. You know, I just real quick too, I saw a fun thing that was like UFO sightings were a lot more widespread back then than they are now. And I was like, I don't know where you got your research. But UFO sightings happen every day. Yeah, I would say that maybe people felt like it did. Like, there were more rural places in the U.S. back then, less light pollution. But I don't... I don't really I think people think. just ignore it more now because you're like, it's something in the sky. I mean, that could be anything. I know. And we're all like, like drones now. So. Yeah. UFOs aren't real. <laughs> I yeah. don't say that. But, but yeah, I just saw a thing that was like, you're, there's not as many UFO sightings today. And like, I think they're just not as reported today. But I w- I'm pretty sure people see things in the sky constantly. I mean, like, you still hear yeah, tons of reports every single day. I think we're just so inundated with, we're in, we live in the age of information. So it's like... All of that information gets lost in all the rest of the noise that's happening. But in the 60s and 70s, yeah, you know, to get your information out there, you had to seek it out. You had to go be interviewed. You had to go get, you know, meet the newspaper person and what have you. Yeah. Well, here, let's, let's keep going through the timeline real quick. So they start seeing the light zigzagging across the sky. And then Betty originally says that she thought it was a satellite. 
I think they both said. Um, Barney thought it was an airliner. Ah. So Barney had been in the military. He was used to seeing planes. He was used to seeing all kinds of stuff in the sky. So it wasn't really weird for him. But it started getting weird when he also saw it start to zigzag weird in the sky. Mm -hmm. And that's when he noticed that everything kind of was thrown off. And that's when they started to get more and more worried. And they basically keep playing what was described as cat and mouse pretty consistently. They stop the car, start the car, they stop the car, they start the car. And they keep looking back at the light every single time. Uh, this goes on for, I mean, honestly, like, who knows how much time this goes on for. It seems like it goes on it was for pretty quite unclear. a bit of a drive. It sounds like they kept stopping and going and stopping and going. Yeah. Sounds like two hours, if you ask. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet. Okay. But I saw something that uh, Barney described how it was moving. Like, he said it was like how a paddle ball bounces in and out in a straight line. Which seems very. I don't even to me. know how to picture that. Yeah. In and out in a straight line. Not like a zigzag in a straight line. He's saying it's going up, but it's going like this. That's what. Straight line. Is. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what he's saying. When I heard that. I was like, I don't even. It's a pretty know. typical okay. UFO description. It's something um, that really? I see a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty common one is you see them bouncing like that because we don't have anything that flies like that on this planet. We literally have zero things that fly like that. So it doesn't make a lot of sense when you see something that's just weaving that mm-hmm. much through the sky. So at this point, Betty is, is the one who's starting to get fearful and nervous. Yeah. And she's like, oh, dear, Barney, it's not normal. <laughs> I'm terrified. Or, <laughs> or is what Benny said. Yes. As I wrote here, nah, dude, that's nothing normal out there. As they said in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But it was about this time that Betty got out the binoculars uh, while the car was stopped. Or also while the car was not stopped. I saw a few times where she was described as like literally hanging out the window and like looking at the sky and yeah. like trying to find it. So Yeah, it goes very like Indiana Jones during part of the description. Mm-hmm. Just so like I have an important adventure. question. What was the dog doing at this point? Trembling with fear. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's probably Chilling. in the back seat like, I'm a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dog. The, that is one thing with this is the dog is like hardly ever mentioned. Yeah. But they had a whole ass dog in the car. Yeah, we'll go into it. Yeah. Right, we'll get into it. Okay. The dog is here yeah. in this part yeah. of the story. Her name is Delcy. Okay. Her name? So, is her? what do to do? So, about 70 miles they are from their last stop, which was in Vermont. And that's where the object is now hovering what they describe as around 100 feet, 100 feet above them. Yeah. Um, and this is when they stop the car and Barney gets out to go see what the fuck is that? Again, he goes out to see. Because, again, they've done this multiple times at this yeah. point. And they had actually checked with the binoculars earlier in the drive, and they hadn't been able to see because it, it wasn't super close. I mean, again, like, we're talking, it finally got up to 100 feet away from them. Yeah. So it's hovering above the tree line, about 100 feet above them. And it's completely silent, which is where Barney starts to freak out, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, like, this whole time he's been, like, it's an airplane, it's a helicopter, a satellite it's like something that should make noise while it, like humming right it doesn't make any sound it's hovering there he says he sees that there are windows on it and he sees around 8 to 11 human-like figures looking out at him and he's seeing this through the binoculars right and the the ship is flat like a pancake and it has two wing-like structures coming out the sides um, with like red blinking lights on them. The drawings are phenomenal. Yeah, uh, the, I, I will put the drawings it. in the net in the <laughs> newsletter. Um, I also saw some things that said like where he said there were many multicolored lights around the ship. Um, I don't know. Again, weird discrepancies. What I heard specifically in his case is they were pretty consistent on just the red blinking lights. Yeah, but I saw something else. I don't remember who said it where, but. There were many lights. I don't know. Yeah. According to the drawing, there wasn't. <laughs> and I, I think this is an important note. It's kind of a weird thing that I saw that's not super mentioned, but it is kind of important, is the headlights on the car are also on, which is not, doesn't sound like the most important thing in the world, 
but having another light source coming in from behind you can reflect off of things and change the way you're seeing something, mm-hmm. especially in a dark forest. If anyone's ever driven through a forest with like no light source during the night and all you have is your headlights, Ooh. can drastically change the way you see things. Conspiracy wet road trip. <laughs> Let's go. Driving through the woods with no lights on. Looking for aliens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he saw those human-like figures. Who accused him of gaslighting? I did. Why did you accuse him of gaslighting? I said basically. No, he wasn't. That's he wasn't gaslighting her. Well, she was saying, "Look, it's like something weird," and he's like, "No, it's not. It's an airplane. You're crazy." No, he wasn't saying she's crazy. He said specifically that he was just saying it was an airplane to keep her calm. There's, I'm just saying, like gaslighting is like intentionally misleading her, but he wasn't. He's looking just to keep her calm because he's freaked out about what it is. And Barney, I think it's important because Barney is not the type of type of guy to get freaked out, according to everyone who knew him. He's not the type of guy. He's super masculine. He's the type of guy who, like, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't get scared by things. You don't dig into, like, silly ventures. You don't cry. Exactly. This is the type of guy he was. Until you're under hypnosis. Exactly. So that I just think it's important because like his whole point here was he was trying to stay focused on keeping her calm because he was freaked out. Okay. And if he was freaked out, he didn't want her freaking out more. Well, and I mean, how many situ have you ever been in a situation where like your brother or whoever is like I'm freaking the fuck out, man. It's like don't freak out. You're making me freak out. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of these situations but with aliens. Um <laughs> So Barney's looking at these these humanoids through the windows with his binoculars up. And he says that he actually hears these things telling him to keep looking. Like, don't stop looking, keep looking. Don't put the binoculars down, keep looking. And he finds he's actually unable to put the binoculars down and grab the gun that he's stuck in his back pocket. Right. Which is, a, just as a side note, he brought the gun without Betty's approval. It's actually her pistol. Mm-hmm. And she told him not to bring it, and he snuck it on under the back mat of the yeah. car or truck. Yeah. So he, he manages to get away, finally. And he's, like, screaming that they're about to be captured. He tears out of the forest and back into the car, and they, they take off. And so they're, they start back down the road trying to get away. And this is about where they start hearing the, the buzzing and the beeping on their trunk. Right. Which is also simultaneously where they start to lose their memory. This is kind of where they fade out. Yeah. But I want to make this clear. They didn't realize they lost their memory until later. Yes. Right. I want to make that point clear. Because right. we're going to talk about how they realize they lost their memory. So for the moment, all they think that's happening is they're being followed by this thing. Mm-hmm. They're getting in the car and they're just going to drive away as fast as possible. There is no sense of we've lost any time. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be a sense of we lost any time for days. They actually don't understand that. No, for they get there when they get home. They didn't understand that they actually lost time. That's one thing that came out of uh, talking to one of the reporters in their backyard is they eventually understand that they lost time. But they say in that interview, we didn't even think about that until right now. <laughs> they just thought that their watches were broken because it wasn't uncommon for a watch to just stop working around that time. So... They actually didn't think they had lost. They thought it was weird that they had arrived so late, but they didn't think anything crazy. They didn't actually connect it to the ship until days later, which I thought was a very important, weird point that they didn't. I think it just shows kind of how they're looking at things. They're not looking at this at first as like some crazy alien case. It slowly starts to build. Yeah, no, they it seems like as you would probably not your first instinct isn't going to be like i think we were abducted last night yeah you know they they do mention like that was weird and then they but they also mentioned that they were calm and whatever and they took a shower because that's you know real life is like well aliens did not take me out of my car last night so we're exhausted we're tired we were out in the middle of nowhere it doesn't you know Right. So in that sense, they do keep driving down the mountain road. Uh, They eventually run into a roadblock as well. Like a random middle of the mountains, middle of the night roadblock. And what they see what they describe as a glowing orange-red orb 
mm-hmm. behind the roadblock, which just sounds like flames, honestly. Sounds like, like a giant ball of flames. Yeah, it could have been a forest fire, but I mean... Could have been something like that. Aliens. <laughs> but it is weird. It's weird that there's a roadblock, roadblock too, but mm-hmm. also like it could have been aliens. Like the government's just like, hold on, come this way. <laughs> We're just messing stuff up again. <laughs> Yeah, so this obviously is where things start to get kind of weird with the stories. You know, as far as aliens go, this allegedly is where they get picked up by the aliens. So yeah, so they drive, uh, so they just end up driving around the roadblock again. They're just trying to get home at this point. They've encountered some strange thing. He's a little freaked out because he doesn't know what he saw. He is still, in some ways it seems, thinking about it as like a military thing, but it's still, it's freaking him out because he's not used to it. So they finally get home, takes them a few hours longer than they expected. Like we said, they get home around 5 a.m. Later, we're going to find out that they didn't understand that they had actually lost that time. Uh, And then they finally kind of come to grips with the fact that they show up actually 35 miles down the road and then they start driving home, which is the weird discrepancy that you see later after they start to get their memory back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Betty, who was consistently writing in her journal uh so we actually have a lot of her kind of day-to-day accounts of things she wrote about this whole thing uh right right around the time after they got home so she wrote we entered our home turned on the lights and went over to the window looked skyward we stood there for several minutes and then barney said this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me we both wondered if they would come back uh and then she said that they felt very calm, peaceful, relaxed. They sat at the kitchen table, looked at each other, shook their heads in puzzlement, and asked, do you believe what happened? And we agreed that it was unbelievable, but it had really happened. Uh, and then they would, would return to the windows and look skyward. So it was it's like a moment of reflection about what they saw, is essentially what it was. But again, at this point, they don't actually have a full grip on everything that happened that we're going to find out later. Again, all they're thinking is we saw some kind of crazy ship in the sky. Mm-hmm. So that's all that they're really going for. And then they both take a shower and they go to bed. And in the next morning, part of where they they start piecing things together is uh, they actually go into separate rooms without telling each other anything. And they each draw the object that they saw in the sky. And it's basically identical. Mm-hmm. So they basically just like confirm for each other that it really happened and that is what they saw. And that's kind of the beginning of where we see how both Benny and Barney's stories and their descriptions and everything do actually like connect, Mm -hmm. which is what makes this all the more weird. (laughs) Yeah. So then they, they're thinking like, okay, so maybe we should inspect ourselves and our belongings thoroughly so uh betty was fearing maybe radiation contamination because they weren't sure where the ship whatever it was right (laughs) their clothing is torn barney (laughs) inspects his nethers (laughs) having a strange feeling they were touched or something but he sees nothing strange oh yeah the strange pink powder substance on clothing barney's shoes have deep scrapes um and they've scraped on the top of the of the shoes which is the weird yeah part. top like of was, the toes like he was um, dragged yeah yeah and then uh i did read that like what the binocular strap was broken yeah. little things that like day to day you'd be like huh that's weird but and also especially weird because all they think they did was drove home right like how would any of this happen if they were sitting in a car right and like occasionally getting out to walk the dog yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the weird thing here is is they have all this torn clothing and this weird stuff and destroyed equipment and their watches are dead and at this time, you know, they they thought they were just kind of on a road mm-hmm. trip. Okay. So uh this excerpt here says so this is from the book Captured. After the encounter, the Hills Dachshund Delcy developed an epidermal fungus infection treated by a veterinarian. She was stricken with respiratory maladies. The Hills had adopted Delcy from Newton, New Hampshire, only six weeks prior to their trip and did not have copies of her veterinary history. So they weren't sure if this was a recurring issue or not. 
they don't technically know if Delcy had past medical issues, but they hadn't as far as they had had her. And this is just kind of a weird coincidence, you know, where suddenly the dog has all these insane medical issues after this experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not something anyone thinks about at first either. Again, nobody's like, oh, the dog must have been touched by aliens. Almost nobody ever brings it's, up the dog. It's just another thing where, like, the the worst thing that Betty thinks of is, like, she says that Delcy hadn't been bathed right after. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the only thing she can think of is, like, maybe something got on the dog. Yeah, I mean, if I saw that on my dog, I wouldn't think, oh, yeah, the aliens brought them with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. In the coming days. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I feel conflicted about... I know we'll get into this later with conclusions, but so it appears that they don't want a lot of attention. Right. They don't... They're not... They're still not sure about their experience. Um, They're both um, active in the civil rights movement. They're both active in church. Um, Betty had a social work job, and they they didn't know how to provide an explanation mm-hmm. yes so they all then, they both thought like admitting that they were abducted by aliens or encountered a ufo was like silly mm-hmm. like it was something that you just don't talk about yeah in it should be said that betty was not as much of a let's not talk about this as barney was i was gonna oh, yeah. say i got that vibe from her yeah. <laughs> on a lot of things i she wanted to talk more about it than he did he thought it was absurd he later says it's something that's like just completely silly well and i can see too with his um work with um social justice and civil rights and being a black man in a predominantly white town and and he didn't want to draw attention to himself so that that totally makes sense right and they were both members uh, like prominent members of the NAACP in their area so I mean they were both Unitarians they had a lot to lose Mm -hmm. by making this story too public uh, which is where Betty kind of goes a different route though that oh, yeah. Barney mm-hmm. wanted. Barney her initially to. is like fully ready to be like it didn't happen. Like yeah. let's right. just move on. Life like, goes on. Stop looking at the car. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Betty's like, okay, we won't talk about it. Which. And then she talks to her neighbor. She talks to her sister first. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, she notices the weird silver circles on the trunk of the car. Yeah. There's like. I don't remember how many. There's like a few like super polished like, like little suction cups like like silver dollar. <laughs> They just polish it out. <laughs> the ship just like suctioned the car. Yeah, they're like they're like silver dollar size, which is weird, and they weren't there before. And I guess she she talks to her sister, and her sister recommends that she talks to her neighbor, who is a scientist of some sort. So it's it's actually Janet that talks to the neighbor. The, the sister. sister the sister is yeah. Janet. Yeah, and okay. and I would just want to bring up real quick, just as a quick thing, this is where the whole thing with um, it's Kathleen Martin. This is where her story comes in. She's one of the big people that wrote this book, like one of the main books on this. Uh, captured, she's like a huge part of it, and she's, she's Betty's niece. Right, she's Betty's niece. She's Janet's daughter. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's where she comes in, mm-hmm. and then Kathy is part of this. She's a piece of this from this point mm-hmm. on. She witnesses certain pieces of it, which is why her book is kind of important because it's written from the perspective of a witness. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it definitely influences her life completely. Yeah. And oh, yeah, will... she becomes a ufologist. Yeah. <laughs> she is the director of the Mutual UFO Networks Experiencer Research Team. Oh, so, Lufon. So she is... I know that. Yeah, so she's a huge part of the UFO uh, community now, which if you go through something like that as a kid... Yeah. It's hard to imagine that you don't become that. But yeah, so we can go yeah. back to Janet. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Janet, the sister, talks to her neighbor, who is a scientist, and he recommends... Um, oh, and also he's apparently a, a former police chief. No, they they get advice from both. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
I thought you meant he's a scientist and a former police chief. Like, that's a combination there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they say that she should get a compass and she should, like, kind of just take it around the car and check for magnetic anomalies, which are common with UFO encounters and alien encounters and all that kind of thing. So she does. She finds a compass, and while she's looking for the compass, Barney is like, basically, stop, dude. Like, yeah. You don't need to be looking into this. Just leave it alone. We don't need to worry about it. But she finally finds the compass. And she doesn't notice anything when she's just kind of walking around the car. But when she places the compass directly on the circles, it starts, like, wildly spinning. And even when she's not holding it, it's moving a bunch. Well, so in the book, Captured, there is, there's a lot of stuff from her diary, right? Yeah. So in her own words, mm-hmm. it's kind of So I'll read, I'll read part of it. Um, she says, I placed the compass over them and it began spinning and spinning. I thought it must be the way I was balancing the compass, so I placed it on the car and took my hand away. The compass was really spinning and continued to do this. As I was watching this, I was filled with an unexplained feeling of absolute terror. I was standing there in the rain, under the streetlight, and telling myself, don't scream, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Everything is all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, as soon as she realizes there's something weird about the car, she panics. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and she's not really sure why. And nothing had really happened until she got to the trunk, which is where the spots right. were. Mm-hmm. And that's also where the buzzing came from, was the trunk yeah. as well. So those two things are connected in their own weird way. So that sense of dread is interesting considering she had such a sense of calm and peacefulness when they got home. So now this sense of dread and fear that overtakes her um, is interesting. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, she immediately gets a whole bunch of people to come look at the car. Mm -hmm. She gets like her sister and Kathy's there also. So Kathy does actually get to see the car. Yep. And all the spots, and Barney eventually does finally come out and join them, and yeah, you know they get plenty of witnesses on the compass doing this weird spinning thing on the car. Yeah, that's one of the niece's main things that she witnessed. She witnessed a lot of other stuff too, like a lot of the just like the aftermath of it. But mm-hmm. she, the compass is a kind of a big piece because it's weird, and it's actually one of those things that I think is funny because I had an astronomy teacher once say when we went over like a briefly like people who believe in UFOs and things like that. He said that uh, the only way that something like that would be possible, like that kind of tractor beam, would be it would have to shift the magnetism of the car itself. And he said that's never happened in a case. What? Which it's is right funny here. because it's in one of the first and biggest cases uh, of a UFO <laughs> abduction. So right. it has happened. It's also been reported multiple times since then. It's actually mm-hmm. something that does happen. So the science is correct. It is supposed to happen that way. Yeah. I have a lot of, once we get down to that point of, of talking about conclusions and skeptics, there's a lot of skeptics out there who have, like, zero qualification. Yeah. They're just... They, Armchair skeptics. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff I found was just like, oh, well, well, you aren't qualified to speak on this, so, my, okay. My astronomy teacher, I don't remember his name, but I mean, he was qualified for sure. The guy had worked at NASA for most of his career. Yeah. Like, he knew what he was talking about. He's a really smart guy, but he obviously... If someone who worked for NASA was a skeptic, I'd be like, cool, you... That's fine. <laughs> the thing is, is the problem with people like that is they don't look too heavily into the other side of things. So just to make the blanket mm-hmm. statement of that's never happened in an abduction case, you're automatically incorrect because that has happened. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you want to say, like, I mean, there, to be fair, there isn't like documented video evidence that it did happen, but there's enough witnesses that don't really have any stake mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. to say that something did happen. Yeah, they had, like, random neighbors. I mean, their neighbor was a physicist. Yeah. Yeah. That's not someone who's just going to outright be like, yeah, totally, I totally see that when it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Betty starts looking for books um, to try to piece together and make sense of what happened. She found one called The UFO Conspiracy, which had information about NICAP in the book. So she uh, got in touch with them. And then from there, they're advised to speak with the Pease Air Force Base. Yes. Oh, and one more funny thing about the book. It was one of those things where, like, I guess in the back, it had, like, a write your name down if you've encountered aliens. And she kind of, like, she wrote their name in there but didn't tell anybody about it. Oh, interesting. So she she adds her information to that little little list. (laughs) 
I also love how that's like NICAP's, like one of their points of contact is write your name in this random yeah. book. <laughs> it's and like someone when you, will come around and find it's it. It's like when you go to those websites and it's like, if you want us to contact you, please write it. <laughs> yeah. So if you want us to contact you, put your name in this book and someday we'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. It's got to be a ploy by the FBI. They go to the library every single day to look at the back of the books. discreetly. <laughs> anyway, Kim, please tell us about the Air Force. And don't tell us about Major Henderson because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we have to talk about Major Henderson because he's their point of contact. He's the older brother of... <laughs> I can't say it. Minor Henderson, cousin of Harry from the Hendersons. Everyone knows that. But wasn't Harry the Sasquatch yeah. in the Hendersons? Yeah, that's that's my thing. Is that's why he's he's handling the UFO cases. Got it. Okay. He's cool. related to Sasquatch. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Uh, so yeah, Major Henderson becomes their point Air of first. contact. So is Major his first name or is it his title? Could be his second name. I'm not <laughs> sure. To be honest. <laughs> Major Minor Henderson. <laughs> I go by MM for short. <laughs> he is uh, he is a big part of Project Blue Book. That is an important thing. Ah, so, gotcha. Yeah. That if we haven't mentioned blood, Project Blue Book, we have. <laughs> it's basically um, the military's project for their umbrella project for investigating UFO sightings and aliens and things. Mostly through the 60s, I think. The 60s and 70s or something like that. I think it went through the 80s, but it kind of fizzled out around the beginning of the 80s. They still research aliens and UFOs to this day. They just don't research it in the same way. So Well, in the 80s, the satanic panic started, and they're like, we're busy now. We got other things to do. (laughs) Let's take out the pagans. Let the aliens do their job. Okay, so Barney... Again, is he- he's hesitant. He doesn't want to speak about this. He doesn't want to get involved. Um, yeah, he's pretty hesitant to. But even he's talk the about man, the so of course they all want to talk to him mm-hmm. uh, instead of Betty for at first. Okay, and can so I just jokes after seeing that Henderson had a major interest in the sighting, specifically regarding the wings. Should make you feel like. <laughs> Why are you trying to read this? I don't know because it's. I <laughs> didn't put in all. What have you done? I was on a binge. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Okay, so to put this straightforward, yes. uh, so Henderson had a legitimate interest in what was going on. He was especially interested in the wings. Uh, after hearing about that, Barney is more willing to talk about what happens, but he's still not completely willing to talk about the humanoids. He won't bring that up until a little bit later, just because I think that's the part that freaked him out the most. And it seems pretty legitimate. Like, a lot of UFO sightings, I'm like, there's parts of it that seem like bullshit. But with him, like, the the, the fact that he saw people seemed like the most, like, the thing that affected him the most. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, he didn't seem to care about the craft. Yeah. Like, if he hadn't seen people, I think he would have never let go of the fact that it was just an aircraft he didn't know about. Especially how freaky is it to look through binoculars and be like, duh! Like, they're staring at you and it's like, don't put them down. And he's like, I can't move. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a reenactment by Jen. Uh, yeah, so Henderson does eventually describe his sightings in Project Blue Book. Uh, he does take an actual release to the public now report of this. And there are a lot of things in this. So I think it's better just to go over them kind of quickly. But we should go over all of the things he marked down. Because this is like the this is the meat of the case that the Project Blue Book took. Okay. So this is all the information that they took in. Okay. I want to say I'm really tired of the phrase cigar-shaped about UFOs, but... Everyone's tired of it. Everyone's. <laughs> anyway, who wants to read the list? All right. So, here is his description of Betty and Barney Hill's, uh, their sighting. Okay. This, this is the government report. Yes. The Project Blue Book report. The, affi- the most official By report major. we have. Yes. Okay. So, continuous band of lights. Cigar-shaped at all times, despite change in direction. Size. When first observed, it appeared to be about the size of a nickel at arm's length. Later, when it seemed to be a matter of hundreds of feet above the automobile, it would be about the size of a dinner plate held at arm's length. Color. The only color evident was that of the band of light, which was comparable to the intensity and color of a filament of an incandescent lamp. Uh, There are also the wingtip lights, which are the red dots on the end. It references that, but that's like later in the report. Uh, There was only one 
There was no formation. During periods of observation, wings seemed to appear from the main body and described as V-shaped with red lights on the tips. And later, the wings appeared to extend further. And there's a drawing that Barney actually did of this that I'll put in the newsletter. So he's saying, like, if it's further up, you can't really see the wings and it just looks like lights on the sides of the disc thing. And then when it's closer down, you can see the wings. And he's not sure if they extend or not. So that's that. There's no tail, trail, or exhaust on it, and there is no sound. And so they first see it through the windshield of a car, and the size and brightness of the object compared to visible stars attracted the observer's attention. It was about 45 degrees at an angle above them, and they don't have an angle for when it disappeared, and they, the length of observation is marked as approximately 30 minutes. Right. Now, I want to bring up, because I think that this is so, it, it just fits so well into the thing I bring up on the show all the time, which is stealth bombers. Mm-hmm. It is described almost exactly like a stealth bomber, mm-hmm. but more like an archaic version of it. However, the U.S. would not be able to build their first stealth bomber until the 80s. So this is 20 years beforehand. So... So the aliens gave us the technology to build the stealth bomber. Yeah, but it's not a question like this. This leaves it open as to why they were so curious about this ship as like the military, because you have something that's technology that you don't even have the ability to have for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it's odd seeing this, but it does have a very similar description to a stealth bomber. Mm hmm. You're ruining this for me, Cameron. The reported sounds were like a tuning fork. Or as Cameron said, different than a tuna fork, one being fishier than the other. You decide. (laughs) (laughs) These sounds were only visible to the naked ear once the UFO was actually in range of the car. I was on a binge. (laughs) Okay. So basically, the ship did make a little bit of a sound, but not really. It was kind of more like a, a faint hum. But you can only really hear it when it was close to the car. Right. <laughs> We're leaving all that in. Thank you, oh. Jen. I'll, I'll play. Oh, wait, it was Mothman, right? Because Mothman. Humming. Mothman. Bright red lights. Oh, yeah, the two it lights. all connects. Barbie finished his statement by saying that uh, the whole experience seemed somewhat foolish. That is also marked in the report. Mm-hmm. So, and it's because of... Uh, the way Barney talks about this that Henderson actually uh, claims that he's reliable. He seems to be as reliable as he can possibly see by talking to him over the phone. So Major Henderson actually believes the story to a certain degree. He believes that it happened to them and he believes that that what they're telling him is what they believe they saw which I think is the important distinction there. He's not saying everything's true, but he's marking it down as this is something that is legitimately something we should look into, mm-hmm. which I think is very important. Uh, this report that he makes does eventually include another report reported sighting that he actually finds out about on, I think, September 22nd, which is just uh, like a day after he talks to the Hills. He finds out about this report. So, so there are other sightings in the area. Yes. Which is something that not a lot of sources actually mention, is that there are other people who saw something weird in the sky. It's and, not just these two. And more abducted. importantly, there's another civilian sighting, but a different type of civilian sighting as we're about to see, because it's it's less like civilian driving in a car, more like research station mm-hmm. civilian. Then there's also a military sighting. So there are three completely different types of sightings. One is vis- like one is actual like like it's visually there. Like they are in the car, they are seeing it. The other two are on radar. So those are very very important uh, distinctions. But this other one that Henderson includes in his report, uh, just to kind of go over the quick summary of uh, similar to what the other one had. Uh, the date was September twentieth, but it was in the morning, so it was right around the same time they would have been seeing it. Right around that same time they lost. Uh, they lost track of what was going on and kind of had that time lapse. It was in Lincoln, New Hampshire, which they kind of had determined wasn't far away and like wasn't far away enough for it to not be connected to the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a ground visual air intercept radar, but it was a civilian. So it, in other words, it was probably like a science research station seeing like looking at the skies is most likely what it was. But they caught this right around the same time. Their length of observation, 30 minutes. 
Hmm. About the same that we see with the hills. Uh, the number of objects, one. They weren't sure about the course, and uh, it's said to have had a continuous band of lights, c- cigar-shaped at all times, and when it's changing in directions, described as V-shaped. So, Wings. Oh, yeah, so this actually had... So I guess, actually, this one had both radar and visual sightings. Yep. Yeah. So this one... So we go from just visual to radar and visual, and then we also have a radar sighting after this. Uh, but it is considered that, like, the weather was clear. So for people to be seeing this, there shouldn't be any issues with it. However, they did say that it is possible that it's due to inversion. So it's just due to light bouncing off of things early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say. Now, they, they said that there wasn't strong enough evidence to connect that to the Hills case, though. Which I think is odd. Although there is a lot of yeah, it's almost the exact same I description. I would say, yeah, they'd be like, don't look over here. Look over here. It's, it's almost the exact same description. The description here is the exact same. Cigar-shaped. Wings. V-shaped. Red lights on the tips. Yeah. Wings extend. 45 degrees. Length of observation. 30 minutes. It's there for the exact same amount of time. Like, hello. It's very, very weirdly similar. And that's one of those things where off. it's like a lot of people want to claim that Betty and Barney Hill are lying. Like, just straight up lying. But I really don't think they are because there's another sighting that's almost the exact same. And it's not like they're going to know about they a civilian. Abducted. They're not going to know about a civilian radar center sighting. Yeah. They're not going to have any idea about that. They reported it literally the next day. And I doubt they just snuck into a radar facility and took their that's sighting. That's where two hours went. <laughs> like we made a detour to the So it's really facility. weird. And also Henderson only came about this because he heard two other people in on the same base he was on talking about it. That's how he came about it. So that's how he came about that sighting. But then there is, uh, he lists this sighting's reliability compared to the Hills. He lists this one as probably good. That is the exact quote from what he wrote. Probably in his, good. In his Project that's Blue Book official government document, reliability is stated as probably good. Uh, but in other words, he actually believed the Hills were more reliable mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. he believed the radar station was, which I think is really interesting. It seems more like he almost doesn't want to believe in the radar station because there's even more evidence towards it. Because the Hills only have their witness story. The radar station has something on radar, which is a lot different of a scenario to have. You know, what's funny about these reports, I find, is that some of these say that it was just kind of written in the margins. You know, like people were like physically like with pen crossing things out. I mean, like, mm-hmm. no, nah, it was this. And then they crossed that. I mean, like, no, nah, actually it was this. Like, this was... This first one was listed, like, the conclusions were optical condition, but then it was changed to inversion, and then it was changed again to insufficient data. And all of these are crossed out and handwritten in longhand yeah. on the actual paper that it was printed on. Yeah. And then there were other things like aircraft, balloons, airships, etc. So Etc. So. Basically, we don't fucking know. We're not really willing to say. <laughs> the etc. should just explain it all. Etc. as in UFO. I'm mad no one just wrote, like, bird. Just <laughs> someone taking that bird. leap. It's a plane. It's a plane. like, Superman. bird. Uh, yeah. So but, there was another sighting. Right. In Vermont. And this is only 17 miles from where uh, it was Barney. 70. No, 17 is where the military sighting was from where Betty and Barney Hill were. Also, there are maps people have done of their trip, and I'll post yeah. that on the newsletter okay, as well. Okay, so Franconia is the... Okay, well, this says 48 miles, so you're both wrong. <laughs> so, somewhere in between 17 and 70. From one mile to more. Uh, what is that in kilometers? <laughs> anyway, it wasn't far, regardless. Uh, and the important thing is that the military sighting was the first sighting. Yeah, because it happened hours before Betty said that she saw this, the sighting. And again, I'm pretty sure the Hills did not sneak into a military base and get their sighting. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is what we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick overview of this one. Happened on the 19th of September because it was late at night. Happened right before uh, Betty would have seen it. So this was like about the time that they were actually in Vermont having coffee before they continued this, their trip. Yeah, this would have been before they were actually yeah. going down the road. This was it. It's stated specifically as it being 522 p.m. Oh, okay. Because Hi. it's a military radar station. So you have yeah. the exact time mm-hmm. on this one. Uh, type of observation, ground radar. Photos, No. Source, military. Length of observation, about 18 minutes. Number of objects, one. It was going south. Uh, yeah. 
So, thank you. So, uh, then it continues, and a brief summary of the sighting is, it's essentially described in Project Blue Book as a large aircraft. Uh, They do put a comment that says it's relatively low speed, high altitude, and coupled with erratic course, including weather balloon. So, conclusion, (laughs) probably a balloon. (laughs) No, it says probably balloon. There's yeah. no A. That is, I'm going to start exact writing that. Photo, like, yeah. Conclusion. Probably balloon. <laughs> that is He's someone who does not want to be there at 522. <laughs> yeah. They did not guys, feel like it. It's probably a fucking balloon, guys. so much shit today. I don't even want to. So it was probably balloon. Yeah. The conclusion for that one <laughs> was that balloon. it was a transmitter on the bottom of the weather balloon that was essentially swinging, creating erratic patterns that it was picking up. However, again, the radar picks this up as a large aircraft. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't see a transmitter. This is the thing that I hate in UFO sightings, is they're like, it was a balloon. Okay, well, balloons can't do that either, so please tell me. Balloons don't have bright, shining red lights on them. Last time I checked. We should have started doing that for everything. Like, every Bigfoot sighting, balloon. Probably <laughs> balloon balloons. in the forest. Simple, guys. There's this paranormal event, probably balloon. I will say what this does sound like, what all of the information together sounds like, is a is a, not a weather balloon, but a blimp. Mm. Really mm. weirdly, it Large sounds... Large balloon aircraft. It With wings on the side, with lights on the tips, good year. and a whole section of people standing around underneath through windows that you can see through binoculars, sounds a lot like a blimp. Yeah. But I don't know what blimp can move that fast. Yeah. That's, that's the, the thing, problem. is what blimp moves so fast so that it gets... So it was an alien blimp. An alien blimp that moves in and out of military radar in 18 minutes. That's a fast blimp. Yeah. That's a fast blimp. 18 to 30 minutes. They had lots of rowers on that blimp to get it moving so fast. Maybe that was just like the first stealth bomber, just like a nitro-driven blimp. I don't disagree with you. I'm saying, you know, alien blimp. At if, this point, any theory is a good theory. If there's anything we've learned on the show, it's from Roswell when the Air Force Base by Roswell didn't know about the experiments with an airplane from Area 51. Mm-hmm. So just because it's an Air Force Base does not mean they'll know. Yeah. They you have said no idea. This show, I thought you were saying Roswell, the show. No, the show from the CW. Show. The show you're on, Jen. <laughs> I you're know. On show. But he said the show Roswell. There was like no punctuation, and so I thought you were getting your references from the CW show Roswell. Oh, I forgot that was the thing. <laughs> anyway, anyway, there are there are further developments in like what the military says that these sightings are. Since the night was so clear. Some of them said that this, this, the lights that they saw were just the moon, which, boo. Um, kind of the same as the other report you said, Cam, where it was, uh, what, what's the word? Inversion. Mm-hmm. Optical inversions. They're yeah. saying, like, since the moon was so bright, you're seeing shit. I listened to quite a bit of interviews with people who are skeptics about how the light, how, like, tricks of light, and if you're driving downhill it can look like the light is going up Mm -hmm. even though the light is stationary it can happen and they also try to use that to explain the the fiery ball in the road that they suppose probably balloon yeah that happened to be right behind a roadblock yeah the moon just happened to land right behind (laughs) jupiter just happened to reflect right against that is when they first see so when when betty first sees the this bright object that's moving it's next to the moon right so at the time i think it was saturn that was to the right of the moon and then jupiter was also to the left of the moon so you see these two very bright astral i've seen jupiter like Mm -hmm. up close Mm -hmm. Not really. I'm just kidding. But no, when it's bright, when Jupiter is bright, yeah, it's it's super bright, but it didn't move erratically. When yeah, exactly. I saw it So last. What, what pissed Betty off specifically is she's like, yes, I saw those two things. And also there was a third bright object <laughs> like, around the moon. I am not an idiot. As is stated multiple times in the book, and I think it's a very fair point, 
these Project Blue Book investigations, they just ignore various facts. It's like yeah, we it's just like talked about this in our last episode yeah. where, they're, where they were like, spontaneous combustion definitely happened to this girl because this girl's case fits our research, even though she was stabbed and probably set on fire by another person. <laughs> Go listen to the episode. It's weird. Uh, but... Anyway, this is this is one of those cases where one of the biggest facts that they that we haven't said yet, and because I was waiting for this moment, is the thing went across the face of the moon. Yeah, exactly. It was clearly it went across the moon. It was clearly in the foreground of these yeah. planets. Sure as hell didn't see the moon go across the moon. Or I'm gonna Jupiter. bet. Or I, Jupiter go across. the I've moon. I've never seen Jupiter move that quickly. Mm-hmm. So, like, she, Betty herself, saw people trying to explain this away as, like, you were just looking at Jupiter, or you were just looking at Saturn, you didn't realize it. And she was like, no, I saw Saturn, and I saw Jupiter, and I saw the moon, and then there was a third object, or a fourth object, next to the moon, that started moving. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like you just said, Cam, where they're like, it was probably a planet, and then she's like, well, then how does that account for the erratic movement? And they're like, well, it's probably a balloon. Again, how does that account for the erratic movement? How does that account for the bright light? They keep picking all these little explanations to just kind of like write them off, but it doesn't actually cover all of the things that they saw. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like it's like going back to the military sighting on the Project Blue Book report. Like, you just, you go from, or not the military one, the, uh, the civilian like research center. You're going from optical condition. Now it's an inversion. It's insufficient data. Okay, it's an aircraft. It's balloons. It's airships. It's a bird. Probably it's a plane. Balloon. Maybe it's a boat reflecting off the water. Who I knows actually at this just point? threw a sandwich and it looked like <laughs> some asshole child throwing rocks in the air. Like, <laughs> what is it? But that's the thing is, like, they're not actually trying to figure out what it is because when something doesn't work, they're like, okay, then just throw out, I guess. Yeah. Just throw so something out there. In this case, Basically, Project Blue Book kind of wrote them off. And they they did research, but then they were just kind of like, eh. Project Blue Book also wrote themselves off. They wrote off one of their own branches of the military. Yeah. They're like, no, you didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. You said, probably balloon. <laughs> probably balloon. But We should make a shirt that says probably balloon. I, yes. Another thing that, uh, that they did claim that it could be was a commercial spotlight. As well. Oh, I saw Coming that. I forgot about ground. that. Yeah. Um, that's the funny thing, though, is commercial spotlights. If you're if you're from California today, you've seen a lot of them where they're kind of mm-hmm. trying to get your attention, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're advertising that this mm-hmm. movie theater is open or that this car lot is selling cars at twelve o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, right? This was the middle of fucking nowhere yeah. in the mountains, rural New Hampshire, in the nineteen sixties, with no nearby towns, and. Yep. One of their explanations with it was a commercial spotlight. And I'm not going to no. say it's completely impossible. I mean, but you can see those things from far away, but there was nothing close enough. They and, already kind of did that research. And commercial spotlights can do weird things, too. Like, we, like you go back to the episode where we talked about the Battle of L.A., which is one of my favorite conspiracies of all time, because the commercial spotlights are part of what made that so absurd and mm-hmm. terrible, because they, the military used spotlights which are now just used like as commercial grade spotlights to try and see what was up there, which caused all kinds of problems because then people were seeing the light and they weren't actually looking for what was up there. Now, this could be a similar thing. I mean, to be fair, something moving erratically does sound like a commercial spotlight, but you are running into the issue of who the hell has a commercial spotlight out in the middle of the mountains? Nobody. Who's, what are you advertising well, for? <laughs> and I mean, all the other, all the other things the the red lights the the human like beings like there's it's it just doesn't compute it doesn't add yeah. up yeah there's I mean there's not even enough colors in a commercial spotlight to cover the things that they saw mm-hmm. no so, there's too many things it's also cigar shaped there isn't a connector to the ground right there a commercial spotlight doesn't always have a connector to the ground though you can sometimes just have it reflecting off of clouds. But I think it moved there were no clouds. too fast. Well, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> but I think it doesn't it, work. In I think it moved levels. too fast anyway. It doesn't make sense, and it also followed them for a while. Right. And then there was the buzzing sound, which you have to explain somehow. And this Project Blue Book doesn't even start to explain some oh, of yeah. those things. Actually, it only explains the visuals. Don't they also report the circles on the car? Don't they tell them about that? 
They probably they, did. I think I they mean, did mention Betty it, probably and it was did. completely yeah. ignored. Yeah, that's not mentioned, at least, in Project yeah. Blue Book, and I would assume Betty mentions it. They were probably like, well, that is too much evidence, so we'll just <laughs> leave it out. <laughs> Your neighbor's a physicist, and he saw it, too? That's just... Oh. Was it really conveniently not document that part of it? Probably balloon. <laughs> Your neighbor is probably a balloon. Maybe they just took a balloon and rubbed it in certain spots on the car. And just polished the car. Oh my god. Yeah, so basically they went to the military and they did an investigation and it didn't really go anywhere. So they kind of moved on from there. Which is great because a lot of people don't. They just take it. Mm-hmm. As gospel, and they move yeah. on. Actually, Betty moved on. Yeah, I would really. say Barney probably was like, "Cool, see, we can end this now. <laughs> Nothing yeah. happened." And she was like, "But the car." And Betty's like, "No, sir." <laughs> but they 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 kind of move on from this military thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Barney is probably like, "Shit, yeah, we can yeah. go back to our lives." I've got <laughs> a lot of an- I've got a lot of anxiety, and I'm starting to develop health problems, but it's okay because I'm a man. So shortly after. Um, this event and everything. They, Betty and Barney come home to a giant pile of leaves on their kitchen table. And they're like, oh my god, somebody broke in and is fucking with us. Or is doing something terrible, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they go around and they check the house and nobody's in it. Nothing's unlocked. All the doors are still locked. The windows are still locked. Everything's fine. And they're like getting rid of the leaves and they find Betty's missing blue earrings right? in this pile of leaves randomly left on their kitchen table. Which, from what I understand, had been missing since the incident. Yeah. Right? She, her earrings went missing right. during the road trip back. Yeah. And she had kind of just ridden off, like, whatever, it's fine. You lose earrings all the time. And then they show up in this random pile of leaves, which is super strange. But what's also weird is that she doesn't decide to call the police. That's not weird. She explains it. She it's, does? It makes, yeah, it makes What's perfect sense. So they didn't call the police for the same reason Barney didn't want to talk about the UFO, UFO sighting in the first place. Oh, because place. it was too weird? Betty agreed that it was too weird this time. So she, like, she kind of just calls her sister and is like, hey. This is not an isolated incident. They had, this is the most insane incident that they dealt with in terms of physically something happening in their home. Mm-hmm. But they had other incidents where they said they were on the street and there would be weird things happening like around them. They would go to like a restaurant and weird things would happen around them. Mm-hmm. There are other factors that had started to happen and she refused to acknowledge them. She refused to say anything about them, tell anyone, because then you go from possibly believable aerial sighting to cuckoo bananas so that's that's a slippery slope that is a slippery slope especially if you slip on one of the bananas so we're getting up to finally uh so betty starts having dreams um or nightmares i don't know how they would be defined by like psychology but they're very vivid uh they're intense they're emotional um they're like nothing she's ever had before and they're all about an encounter with beings basically it's not really aliens at first so much as it is humanoids just right different beings um yeah and i think i think it's described as they start as dreams and then they slowly try to turn into nightmares i think also people were trying to soothe betty I'll be like, they're just dreams. It's okay. It's like... They're just dreams about things picking you up and taking you into a weird <laughs> room. stabbing your belly button. It's fine. But yeah, so she starts having those dreams, and that's when everything kind of goes crazy. And that's part two. And that is part two. Do, 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 do. I wanted uh, to say one more thing. Okay. Because uh, with the leaf incident, I, I like to imagine that the aliens were trying to be nice. <laughs> and they were like, oh shit, we made her lose her earrings. And they kind of just like, they don't want to get out and like pick the earrings out of the dirt, right? So they just sort of beam up the whole pile of leaves <laughs> and the earrings and they just kind of dump it back. Yeah, out they're like, we like, don't want to dig through the leaves, but we, we will. We got you. <laughs> I just love that image of like, well, they were really nice. We should give those back. Yeah. I don't know how, but Here, they're there now. Just grab the leaves. Like anyway. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's where we're going right. to leave it off for now. And next time we are going to go into dreams and hypnosis. hypnosis. And we're going to go into some conclusions on what this kind of stuff can be. But I mean, like that that's the beginning of the story. And that's just where it starts. The, the next part usually is the, at the beginning. Yes. Yes. Usually, usually it does. The next part is actually one of the more interesting parts of the story though. Agreed. It's yeah. it to me is what makes this case so interesting. Agreed. Yeah. And this is where that'll be also where it gets kind of messy. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause then you're trying to, to differentiate, differentiate between the story that we talked about in this episode. Right. And then also Betty starts having dreams. And then also they go through hypnosis. And then also they're continuing to be interviewed about this. Right. So you'll find out. So next week, stories change, things are weird, everything's cuckoo bananas, and we're gonna talk about it. For the moment, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We have a whole bunch of social media. We've got it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a Goodreads, and we also have a newsletter, and we also have a lot of hosts. So, all of those things are true. Yeah. Cool. What's not a conspiracy is everything Cameron just said. There we go. Anyway, I am Cameron, who just said that. And I'm Jed. And I'm Allie. That is Allie. For all of our other hosts, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will see you on part two. And remember to always stay stitious. And it's probably probably balloon. balloon.